It's Wild Card Weekend. What should Titans fans be rooting to see? This is the Titans 10. We're talking that and much more. Let's go. Welcome into the Titans 10, a special Friday morning edition for this Friday, the 14th of January. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. I am joined this morning by our very own Zach Lyons from the Football and Other F-Words podcast. Zach, good morning. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm, I'm excited to watch a full slate of NFL playoff games and not have to worry about the Tennessee Titans. Isn't it relaxing? I mean, uh, all of the Titans fans and the Titans uh, team themselves just get to sit on the couch and watch the anarchy ensue and watch all these teams hopefully beat up on each other real good this weekend. Yeah, it's I, I think that's the best part is that you're going to see probably some physical games, some long games. And the more that these the more that the game goes on and the more that the clock stops and these players have to keep on going is better. Now, if it's just a bunch of teams running, I mean, that's sort of good because your offensive line is getting beat up and your running backs are getting beat up. But you want this you want these games to stretch out for, you know, four hours. Oh, yeah. Give us three overtimes. We want 70 minutes of football for every potential opponent. Um, So Zach and I got on this morning. We wanted to do a playoff preview a wild card weekend preview for um our listeners here at broadwaysportsmedia.com we're going to go through the afc slate of games this weekend talk about what we think uh those will look like we're going to discuss who we think is a good and a bad matchup for the titans potentially in the divisional round and then we'll discuss just some playoff scenarios kind of go through it from a titans perspective looking at how this postseason could play out so We'll start previewing the games. The first AFC game tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, is the Raiders visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a game that is one of the couple of rematches in the playoffs from the regular season. Uh, Earlier this year, the Raiders got beat pretty bad by the Bengals um, in a game that wasn't really all that close start to finish. The Bengals obviously are the team that's expected to win. I believe at last check, they were four or five point favorites. According to Vegas, I think they're they're up to six, up to six. That number continues to climb uh, people backing the Bengals this week. Zach, do you see this game going any differently than their first time around? I don't, but it seems like a lot of people do. That seems to be the general consensus is that 91 percent of the cash is on Las Vegas to to win and then you got 86 percent of the cash is under is on the under but 65 percent of the tickets are on the over and 50 percent of the cincinnati tickets are on their money line wow like, so it's a it's a pros joe's game there you got the yeah. big money coming in on vegas yeah it's i guess maybe it's just because maybe it isn't uh, it is a vegas team that's in the playoffs and stuff but true i i, I don't get it I, I don't understand the love for this raiders upset um that's coming the way because the Bengals are by far the superior team. And we've, we've seen that, right? I mean, like you alluded to in the regular season, Cincinnati and Vegas already played and it was 32 to 13 in Cincinnati's favor. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, give me, give me a break. I mean, I, I, I think people are really hammering in this idea that Max Crosby by himself and is going to destroy this Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. 
And we'll get into it a little bit deeper when we talk about matchups that you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. I get that there's there's pass block win weight, win rate and the PFF, you know, pass blocking grade, but it's a really bizarre set of stats when Joe Burrow's under pressure. And I, I think that people are really overestimating the impact of this offensive line and in a, in a negative light. And I, I don't understand the, the love for this Raiders team. I, I, I think people are maybe riding high on that overtime game, but to me, it's, it's the Bengals, right? I mean, obviously as a Titans fan, you want to root for the Raiders, but it's Absolutely. the Bengals. Right. <laughs> I mean, the Bengals got to win this game. Yeah. Here, here's the only case I think you can make for the Raiders in this game. And it does boil down ultimately to Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby on that defensive line. But you see the biggest strength on weakness that the Raiders have, maybe the only strength on weakness they have in this matchup is D-line on O-line. Raiders pass rush has been really successful this year. And the Bengals, you know, since the draft, have been talking about how this offensive line can't keep Joe Burrow upright. Joe's been sacked this year more than any other quarterback uh, second to him is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but Joe has been on his back just as much, if not more this year, as he was last year, uh, despite having a really good year. And and so that's really and I think that might be the reason why there's money on the under as well, because people are expecting the game plan maybe for Vegas to come into this game and just ugly it up. Right. Just make it a nasty game. Shut down that that, you know, elite passing game that the Bengals have by just getting after Joe and making him uncomfortable the entire game, you can have to have, you know, another incredible performance by Derek Carr on the offensive side of the ball. But I think the Raiders game plan will be to really, it's going to have to be to, to keep the Bengals explosive offense at bay. The big play Bengals can't show up in this game if the Raiders want to stand a chance, but the counter to that, like you were alluding to is Joe Burrow under pressure has been, Maybe I'd have to check. Maybe the best quarterback under pressure this year. He's been really, really successful. Um, he's one and, of the best. Yeah. And and so if that's the game plan, it's kind of counterintuitive because you'd expect him to excel under those, you know, high pressure circumstances. Um, I, I think as far as I'm aware, weather isn't going to really play a factor in this game. Another thing that that comes into play with these kind of matchups is expectations right and this is one of you know many and and you see this a lot in the wild card round of the playoffs the team that is the home team the division winner has all the expectations especially in a game where they're hosting a team that isn't even supposed to be here and there's another team in the AFC that is really not supposed to be here but the Raiders aren't supposed to be here they weren't here until the very last second literally of the regular season they snuck in and it got the five seed, but they they only got in at the very last second. People weren't expecting them to be here. Um, and so they really are playing with house money as much as anybody else is. Um, so maybe people are betting on that electricity. You know, oftentimes you see teams that are a wildcard team make a run, just a team of destiny kind of thing. Uh, but a counter to that would be they just played 70 minutes of football on Sunday evening. And they got, you know, the NFL really did them dirty, giving them the very first game. They got to turn around and play Saturday afternoon. So and very traveling little from rest. the West Coast from Las Vegas all the way out to Cincinnati. Right. And, and, and piling on to that, playing against a team that sat their star running back and star quarterback 
last week. So those two guys are going to be as fresh as possible. So I'm with you. I don't see this game necessarily uh, going the way that the Raiders want it to go. I see it being a closer game than their regular season matchup just because it's a playoff game. Um, and, and these things tend not to be blowouts, but it wouldn't shock me if it was. Um, if you're betting the game, I would probably err on the side of the Bengals. But from a Titans fan's perspective, you're definitely going to be rooting for the Raiders in that game. And I think in terms of games where you could see a wild card team upset a division, uh, divisional opponent in the AFC, uh, it's not entirely unlikely. It's certainly a possibility that the Raiders somehow pull it off and are in Nashville next week. Let me say this. The, the Raiders have played in the regular season the seventh hardest strength of schedule, mm. while the Bengals have apparently played the 29th uh, easiest strength of schedule. I'm assuming what I'm looking at is it doesn't really say, but I'm assuming that everything date. ranks out of 32. PFF okay. is seventh for the Raiders, 29th. So I'm assuming hardest to easiest, or maybe if it's easiest to hardest, you may want to flip those. I don't know. Sure. Um, but. I just have a hard time with this Bengals passing attack. If the reason why Burrow is under pressure as well as he's got really good stats when he's under pressure is because he still has over three seconds to throw the ball. And when you have three seconds, over three seconds to throw the ball and you're throwing it to Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, who can make contested catches or get open or take a slant to the house. It makes it a whole lot easier for you, for your quarterback. And I just don't think that the Raiders have the defensive backs to to prevent, even if they get him under pressure, to prevent Joe Burrow from hitting one of those guys for a long gain on and get a first down. Yeah, I'm with you. The last thing I'll say on this game is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the last time the Bengals were in the playoffs, they or maybe it was the last time the Raiders were in the playoffs. These two teams saw each other and the Bengals choked. And uh, so, you know, the Bengals are a franchise that is there. It's known to blow these things. So um, yeah, but it's I, a new team. You can't can't hold them for the Marvin Lewis. It's, you know, it's era. true. It's true. It's true. I'm just saying, if you believe in the whole team mojo uh, carrying over year to year, it wouldn't shock me if it turns out that the biggest flop in the playoffs turns out to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And the, and the Raiders want it. Like, you know that they oh, have absolutely. that chip on their shoulder, backs up against the wall, and sometimes those are the most dangerous teams. And the reason why you want the Raiders to win against the Bengals is not only because they're the easier matchup, but after two emotional games back-to-back, they're even easier yep. because of those emotional games. Yep, that's absolutely the case. All right, moving on to the next game. Saturday evening, uh, I think pretty clearly the best game of the AFC side of the bracket in this first round. Buffalo hosting New England for the third time, another rematch, a divisional game. The Buffalo-New England part three um, that, you know, maybe none of us asked for, but what we're getting anyways, I think this is going to be a really good game, a really interesting game. Um, it's another one of those where, you know, un- not shockingly, the divisional team is clearly the better squad. Um, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have, uh, weather to take into account. Once again, a recurring theme with these two teams, it last check, I believe it's going to be five degrees out there. Wind chill, uh, near or below zero. So you got Southern boy, Mac Jones going up there, trying to not be the pumpkin that he's kind of turned into in the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, it really him being the puppet for mastermind hoodie, Bill Belichick trying to pull a master game plan 
out in this game, I think is really the only way that you see. Well, I think there are two ways you see an upset in this game. Either Bill Belichick goes full goat and just wrecks with a a master game plan that goes down in history, or you get Josh Allen pulling a Josh Allen and is who has been, you know, rather up and down this season. And you see him play a really bad game. I think those are the two ways that you see this game go the way of new England. Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Bills won this game pretty handily. What about you? Well, I, I I'll say this: Josh Allen is not very good in the cold weather, and that is something that has in this just screams to me: you don't have a home field advantage, right? If your quarterback does not play well in the cold weather, and your fans aren't even buying thirty nine to twenty five dollar tickets to go see this team. Where's your home field advantage lie? Because other than, you know, New England doesn't really have to travel that far to get to Buffalo, right? So there's no traveling advantage. Do we think that's real? Do we think Bill's Mafia, the vaunted Bill's Mafia, is really just not going to show up for this home game against New England? The team I've been reading the comments. Any other team. Yeah, listen, I've been reading the comments, and apparently the majority of Buffalo Bills fans live in Canada, and Canada's having issues with border, getting people across the border. And that's from Bills fans. That's not from New England fans. That is straight from Bills fans this morning on a couple of threads I've read. I, I, I find that I air to the, I think the New England Patriots are going to win this game again. And I think that, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. And I I will say this, the reason probably Mac Jones didn't throw a lot was more so the wind and the cold, right? Oh, but it doesn't matter for Josh Allen. If there's no wind, you're going to see Mac Jones throw a little bit more, but I'm sure it's going to lean heavily on that run game that people just can't stop at at certain points and Buffalo proved that they cannot stop it. And Josh Allen has proved in the cold weather. I think he's a 50% completion percentage in the cold weather, maybe even 50, 50 QBR. I'm I'm not entirely sure which stat it was from Mina times earlier in the week, but if you are a cold team in Buffalo, she's kind of right. She's kind of right. They may should. You have a QB with a cannon for an arm. Give them it, dome conditions, Buffalo. It's it's crazy that you and you don't know when you're drafting him, right? You're talking about a player that was from Wyoming, right? That does not play well in the cold weather, and you're always going to be in the cold weather in you Buffalo, Buffalo in New this York, time. So what do you do? Like there, at some point. Maybe he you really move out in the Texas. snow. Maybe, maybe you actually make the move. Yeah, he needs to be out in the snow just rowing the football repeatedly up in Buffalo to try to get whatever is going on out of his head. Maybe he actually needs to take that Viagra that they were saying he needs uh, yeah. to take. Yeah, I saw Dan Orlovsky say that um, nobody has – no quarterback has more – or no player has more pressure on him than Matt Stafford. And I argue that Josh Allen – has the most one of the most pressures. And I would say Aaron Rodgers has got some most pressure. And if you're including players, I think Derrick Henry has a lot of pressure. Like I think without a doubt saying that it's Matt Stafford, I think that's a that's a disagreement in poor choice of words, which is normally what Dan Orlovsky's known for. Mm-hmm. But I think that Josh Allen may have more pressure on him than Matt Stafford because of all this stuff, because he can't play in cold weather, because it's a home playoff team, because there's no home field advantage because he's such a young quarterback and it's a division rival. Like you got to win this game. If you're Josh Allen, not to say that his career is over or anything, but like, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson. You don't want that stigma that in the big games, 
in cold weather, you can't play football in Buffalo. Yeah. From a narrative standpoint, I don't think it's, uh, I think there's definitely an argument to be made that Matt Stafford has the most pressure as an individual, just because um, if they lose these games, Josh Allen, the, the fan base, I don't think will turn on him. He's, he's built enough equity there um, with those fans. I think it'll be more of a team thing for Matt Stafford. It's definitely an individual pressure because of how much they gave up for him because he has no equity with the fan base, all five of them out there in LA. Um, but if you're asking, you know, if I were to ask you which team, has the most pressure on them this weekend. It's absolutely the Buffalo Bills, right? Because not only are they on paper clearly the better team, I think, than than New England. I think it's it's pretty pretty clear that Buffalo on paper should win this game, especially at home. Um, whether you think there's a home field advantage or not, they're division winners. The playoffs are in their stadium. Um, they know this team very well. The pressure comes from that new England monkey that's been on their back for the last two decades. And the narrative will absolutely be not just after this game, you know, for the week in between rounds of the playoffs, but really all off season. If this bills team can't get over the new England Hill uh, against this new England team, then when, right, that's going to be, that's going to be the talking point because this new England team just will not go away. The Bills fans, you know, had hoped last year that it was the that it was the end of the New England era, at least for the time being. But it turns out they just took a year off because they got to draft a serviceable quarterback and they ha- still have the best coach of all time. Um, and so Buffalo really, I think, is feeling the pressure in this game more than any other team, any other fan base, any other franchise, because they have to get over this New England hill. They have to get that monkey off their back. And Josh Allen is three and four versus the Patriots, right? And he gets a big boost from last year facing a Patriots team that fielded Cam Newton and fielded Jarrett Stidham and Cam Newton as the quarterbacks, right? right? In those particular games. And in the first Cam Newton game, they barely won by three points. And to me, you know, yeah, you split them this year. And listen, that that loss was um, at the beginning of the year was 10 to 14. Ugly, we know. 33-21 the second go around a couple of weeks later, right? You, you, Even Sean McDermott, at some point, while, yes, it's nice that you were able to get two wins against New England in one season, you have to start proving your superiority over Bill Belichick. You give him an inch, he's going to take a mile, right, in this division. And you don't want to be known as the Buffalo coach that was, was great, but also couldn't get it done against your division rival that has been a thorn in your side for decades. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the final AFC game of the weekend. Clearly the worst on paper. Sunday night, you got the Steelers heading once again to Arrowhead. Woof, this game, um, we just saw this one. It's deja vu. We saw it over... uh, the Christmas holiday, you saw the Steelers go in and get boat raced 36 to 10. And really the game was not as close as that score reflects. It was over um, really from the first drive of the game. The Steelers got a garbage time touchdown with like three minutes remaining just to kind of pad that stat. But um, we saw that in week 17, I believe, or no week uh, 16, we saw them in Arrowhead. um, And that was against a chiefs team that was dealing with COVID. Uh, we saw a, a you know a Chiefs team that 
They had Tyreek Hill out there, but really they played that game without Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, both of which had been put on the COVID list that week. And then if you recall, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both designated their return on Saturday. Uh, Kelsey didn't clear, so he didn't play in the game. Hill did. But if you look at his numbers, he really wasn't uh, a factor in that game. Um, still kind of getting over the illness, not having practiced that week, all of that stuff. So their two biggest weapons out and Kansas City still just demolished a Steelers team that props to them for being here. Just ridiculous that that they're in this situation um, and uh, shout out the Colts for allowing that to happen. But you got to give you got to give the flowers to Mike Tomlin just because. He it's my maybe my favorite thing in in uh, NFL circles in terms of fan bases, because you see whenever the Steelers slip up just a little bit, there's a contingent of Steelers fans that call for Tomlin's head, which is hilarious because he's been a top 10, arguably top five coach in the league for at least a decade. He's never had a losing season, despite playing with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph in the past couple of years. And he continues to make the playoffs despite the odds. He's one of the greatest coaches in the league right now. He's, I think, one of the greatest coaches in modern NFL history. And he's got this team in a position to uh, have a ceremonial exit from the playoffs. Um, The interesting thing about this game, it opened, I believe, at 13, 13 and a half, depending on where you can get it. I expected it to move up all week. I expected it to be one of those lines that opens just under two touchdowns. And then by the time we got around to the game, you'd see it close, close to 17. But as soon as it opened, there were some, there was some sharp money that came in on the Steelers for some reason. And it's moved it down to 12, 12 and a half. And it's kind of held steady there all week. So there is some sharp money backing the Steelers, at least in terms of the spread in this game. Um, I find that curious. Personally, I don't see this game being really all that close, maybe closer than their first matchup. But um, what about you? Do you see this being is there is can you can you concoct a scenario in which the Steelers win this game? The only scenario that the Steelers Besides Patrick win Mahomes this going down yeah. on the first drive of the game, <laughs> the only way the Steelers win is to, for them to do something they haven't really done all year. And that is rely on Najee Harris to churn out the clock, to eat up some yards and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That is how you beat these freaking Kansas City Chiefs. It's ridiculous that people do not run the ball more on this team. And they have the Steelers have the personnel. If you want to get some favorable matchups. I, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster does anything, but if you put him out there with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool out wide and then force him to put more defensive backs in and give the ball to Najee Harris as much as you can at the beginning of the game, then you're going to have a better chance at winning. Other than that, <laughs> spare me this TJ Watt is defensive player of the year. You're just looking at his fancy sacks. I don't, his sacks are very low quality sacks. And one of them was a player that fell and he just touched him. Like to me, some of these sacks are a little suspect, not saying that he's not good. You don't but think he's I think a defensive Aaron, player of the year. No, no. Not if you're oh, just I basing disagree it off entirely. Sacks, no, if you're just, which defensive player sacks, has had a bigger impact on their team? I mean, at least six of the Steelers wins. You can, you can attribute almost directly to TJ Watt. 
What's not been wins? the offense? What six wins? I, I'd have to go. I'd have to go. Yeah, look with that. like see, that's the thing. It's not to me. It's Aaron Donald or Micah Parsons with T.J. Watt second. T.J. Watt's not my defensive player of the year. Okay, and we disagree and, on that, but we, yeah. that, it, we, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to lose, so it won't matter. They're going to lose so horribly. Why would the NFL put this as their primetime game? That's my big question. Marcus, what a slap baby. in the face. I Marcus. mean, is it? <laughs> I mean, as a Titans fan, by the time eight fifteen or seven fifteen rolls around here, Central Standard Time. I'm kind of checked out of this game. Like there is no way that this game is going to be close because there's no way the Steelers can't get it out of their own way. I think they replaced Randy Finchner with the same kind of guy in Matt Canada. They don't have an offensive coordinator there that I think can call a game to save his life. And they don't trust a running back, which this used that used to be the bread and butter of this team was running the football mm-hmm. and letting Ben Roethlisberger go off that. Right. Now they're, for whatever reason, keep putting the ball early in games. Early, they pass really early a lot of in a lot of the first quarter, and he can't. He throws lame ducks constantly. So what good is Juju Smith-Schuster? I, I don't, I don't see this being particularly close, unless Tyree Kill's not playing, which you know that may help. But you know Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey have not played up to their usual standards. Not saying that they're not good, but they have not played up to their usual standards. So to me right now, I just don't see unless, like you said, some freak injury happens in the middle of this game that the Chiefs don't walk away with this pretty easily. Yeah, and and again, the Chiefs essentially played without those two guys in the first matchup, and you got Byron Pringle and and Patrick Mahomes still winning by 26 points. Here's the only here's the only scenario in which this game can go the Steelers way. And it's funny, you 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 mentioned you mentioned uh it, it being kind of a slap in the face for this to be the primetime game. I was listening to Pro Football Talk yesterday. Uh Florio and Sims were talking about this game because they both are NBC guys. They are on the broadcast for those Sunday night games. And all year this year, whenever there's been kind of a meh game in the Sunday night window, they've done their best, good company men, to try to give you a reason on Friday to tune in. And they were trying yesterday. They were trying real hard. Um, and Florio, being a Pittsburgh guy, was trying to make the case that, you know, the Steelers, just the way that they are, you got a, a great coach. And Sims was just like, this game, man, it's not, it's not going to be good. And everyone knows it's not going to be good. Now, don't get me wrong. I would be delighted to be so wrong about this. Would be delighted oh, yeah. to be wrong. Oh, I love it. It'd be hilarious and it'd be great for the Titans. But the only way this game is even remotely close to the Steelers. Two things have to happen. One, they have to possess the ball at least 40 minutes of the game. And two, Patrick Mahomes has to turn the ball over at least two times. The only way they they stand a chance in this game. And like the Steelers or like the Raiders game, it's going to be one of those where their best chance I think really will be coming from that defensive line just mucking stuff up. Um, which doesn't it doesn't take much because you know Patrick Mahomes is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league at creating and generating his own sacks and his own mistakes. Right, and and their so offensive it, line it, is yeah. still more porous than I think people let on. Um, it's been a problem for them, especially earlier in the season. But yeah, I don't see this game being particularly close. Um, I think it's a real shame that the Chiefs didn't get the bye, but they essentially got a bye in this game. I think from a Titans fan perspective. Really, all you're asking for in terms of reasonable expectations in this game is Pittsburgh. Please don't allow the Chiefs to rest all their starters in the second half. 
at least make this a game, make them go out there and play because you don't want to give them a half buy by this game being, you know, a three touchdown game at halftime and the chiefs can, can go ahead and pack it up and start game planning over on the sideline for their next opponent. So all three games, it sounds like we are, well, it sounds like I am leading towards the divisional uh, division winner team. I, I think, I think the most interesting and we agree because we disagree on who will win the game will be that Saturday night, Saturday night game. Um, The game I'm most looking forward to, that would be a third. So the game I'm most looking forward to is the Raiders Bengals. And then second would be Dallas and San Francisco on the NFC side. And then I would go Buffalo and uh, New England. Yeah. And I think those are the three games that are probably most likely um, in the whole playoff sphere to be an upset. Um, kind of a side note you think the cardinals stand a chance in la no i i and 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 here's why and this is what i i've looked up recently about this cardinals team is that the cardinals have allowed so many negative plays uh, you said this. You said this earlier this week. And yeah. it was, um, I believe they've allowed 19 negative. Uh, I've gone off from what I had on here. Um, they had uh, 19 drives that end in negative plays. And those 19 drives, right? Those 19 drives, and it may be a little bit more, um, had the most yardage loss with negative 7.6, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So that is a ridiculous number for a team that started off really good, right? I mean, like this team started off really good, but like most most of these Arizona Cardinal teams under, um, under Cliff Kingsbury, they just end like this, right? I mean, yeah. they had, excluding kneel downs, they had... Um, 19 drives you end isn't that mm. crazy and that's, that's near the top it's not as crazy what the jets had by the way <laughs> the jets had but we expect that from the new york football jets man right. that's how that goes excluding yeah. excluding um excluding kneel downs the jets had um hold on had 28 so the cardinals had 19 and negative 7.7 of the the average for those lost Yardage was negative 7.7, only behind the Browns, who had negative 8.1 on 12 drives. So they don't, I just don't think the Cardinals and Hopkins is still up in the air, right? As, I was about as to say, this. that'll be a massive key for them for sure. Yeah. I just, can get them back. I think the, I think the Rams will easily smoke them. Uh, it may be closer just because the Ram, the Cardinals can put up some points. Well, or Stafford may make it be, unnecessarily close, right, you know, the way right. he's trended lately. Um, I, I think it's kind of a shame these two teams get to play each other, frankly, because it's two teams that I think are kind of trending the wrong direction coming into the playoffs. I'm not sure either of them stands much of a, much of a chance in the next round um, unless they play a lot differently than they had been playing of late. But back over to the AFC side of the ball. We, we've discussed all three games, so I want to I talk through um, just potential scenarios. Is there a team that you think we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of take the Steelers. Thanks for playing. We'll kind of set them aside. Um, so all of this is with the understanding that it's best possible matchup, except for the Steelers. Cause we're assuming they're not around, right? Which team in this playoff um, 
that the Titans could face in the divisional round. So that excludes Kansas City. That excludes Buffalo. Out of Cincinnati, Vegas, and New England, who do you think the best matchup is for the Titans and why? I think it's ultimately the the Raiders. Um, now, it's, it's very close between the Raiders and New England. I agree. I mean, like 1A, 1B. Like, I, yeah. I would be fine facing either of those guys because obviously – the Titans are healthier than when they faced the Patriots earlier in the year. And I think that I still, to this day, still say the Patriots are an overrated team. And mm-hmm. um, so I think in a rematch, Mike Vrabel and this team is going to be ready to, you know, knock them in the dirt and not have to worry about it. And then the Raiders are just Raiders. Like we already talked about it. I just am not that fearful of the Raiders. I'm a little fearful of Hunter Renfro after seeing all pro Danny Amendola just blast through the secondary and these linebackers. Dirty white boy, man. He just, he'll, yeah. he'll tear up our secondary. Yeah. So I do worry about Hunter Renfro, but you know, Josh Jacobs is not, I mean, he's okay. Like he's in a slightly above average running back. Yeah. But this is one of the best run defenses in the league. So I think you can do, I think you can do a lot. That threat entirely for sure. That's one of the things about this AFC playoff picture is that there's not a team that you have to worry about running the ball. And I think that's going to hurt. It's going to be a good, the only one is the Bengals, right? In my mind that has a top tier running back that consistently can perform in Joe Mixon. When maybe and, New England, but. I mean, maybe, but it's more it's, like it's, a running I think back they're by a clear committee, second right? behind Cincinnati, yeah. and then it's a big drop off. Yeah, and I think that with the the wide receivers, I know that the wide receivers and tight ends got really open, you know, and all that stuff in that one game. But they, the Titans were trying to play a closer game of football than in than what they wanted. They were trying to get out with like maybe a three point win, and I just think that. These matchups without a run game really allow the Titans to not have to keep a lot of people in the box and can cover these, you know, force these quarterbacks and let four rush instead of sending extra blitzers is what I'm saying. It's because you don't have to keep people in the box to be afraid of a running back at this right. point. Yeah. So, like, I'm going Raiders, I think, would obviously be the best. I mean, obviously, you want the Steelers, right? You want yes. the Steelers, yeah. but again, yeah, not realistic, right? If if you, if you wanted to create the perfect scenario, you want all three underdogs to win. In, in the craziest, unlikeliest scenario, all three underdogs win, and you are riding high all the way to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. But if I am being realistic about who wins and who doesn't, I would like the Raiders to win and the Bills and the Chiefs to win. You want the Bills and Chiefs to win, I think, uh, barring an upset, because if only one wins, then the other one has an easier road to a thousand percent. I was about, yeah, I was about to get to this. You want them to face each other in the likeliest of scenarios. And that's, that's the scenario that I wanted to talk about. I I don't have much to add to that. I agree that I think the Raiders are clearly the better of the two. Um, I would put them a notch above new England as well. But I think it's pretty clear just because of these two things. You look at the coaching mismatch, or not mismatch, but the difference in coaching between those two yeah. teams. Now, Rich Bisaccia, I, I think he deserves a good, long, hard look because he's done a really good job out there in, in Vegas under crazy extenuating circumstances. And he seems to have really won over that locker room. So props to him. I think he's done a really great job. I think in another year, he'd be getting looks at for coach of the year. Um, but on the other side, you got the greatest coach of all time, and he's a guy that you have to absolutely worry about in terms of scheme and game plan, as well as 
the the discipline that he is going to have his team operating under. Uh, we saw in the New England game with the Titans earlier this year that <clears throat> really they played a game, and this is a New England special, where they play pretty vanilla and don't beat themselves and just wait for you to beat yourself. And <clears throat> that leaves you less room for error because you know they're not going to beat themselves so any mistake you make is going to be in their favor ultimately at the end of the day. The Raiders are a team where you can expect um, to get some of those back because they're a team that is, I think, more prone to hurt themselves in terms of turnovers, poor coaching decisions, penalties, the like. Um, so I, th I think it's definitely the Raiders. The two, I think, most likely scenarios that don't involve just chalk up and down all four division winners winning. The, the two of them are obviously the Raiders winning and the Bills winning. So you get Titans hosting the Raiders and you get the Bills traveling to Kansas City in the second round. Or you have the Bengals beating the Raiders and New England beating the Bills. And so then you have Titans, Patriots and Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. So of those two, what do you think? And this is looking ahead a bit. What do you think is because I think we both agree that um, the Raiders and, and New England, either one coming to Nashville is, is pretty similar in terms of the Titans being able to handle those teams. So assuming that the Titans are able to handle that that team of the potential matchups of Kansas City, Buffalo and Kansas City, Cincinnati, which is interesting because we've seen both of them this year and Kansas City lost both games. What do you think is the best in terms of the Titans getting another team to knock Kansas City out a bit early? Ooh, it's an um, interesting question because it's it's close. I think. Yeah, I, I think, I think Kansas, I think Cincinnati gives you the best chance to upset really? anybody in this in this in this tournament in this AFC. I I personally am a little scared of playing Cincinnati and them coming to to um, Tennessee because who's the, who's there's no hotter team right now than Cincinnati. Would you I mean, be more scared of Cincinnati coming than Kansas City coming? No. Yeah, I think I would. I think wow. I would. Okay. And, he and here's why. Because we've. I know that this may be a different Kansas City team than what we saw at the earlier in the year in this regular season. But how much different? Like, you know, how much different is it when you compare that Derrick Henry's full strength, Julio Jones is full strength, A.J. Brown's full strength? You're not going to have Greg Maben out there covering people. Like, sure. how much different is this team when you really think about it? Because you got to remember in that uh, Kansas City game, um, the, you know, Greg Maben and who was the other guy that I'm trying to think of that was also – playing in that game I, I think chris jackson was playing but there was someone else like one of those was a brian body calhoun was playing in oh that game it may as have well. been by calhoun yeah and they they did a really good job and dane crookshank held travis kelsey right i mean when you really look at it do you i just have a feeling that this team can still do a lot and you got to remember aj brown in that game had 133 yards and a touchdown and yeah, Derrick Henry was playing and, you know, now he'll be a little bit healthier, a little bit more rested, but you look at the team, you look at, didn't Bud Dupree come out that game, I think too, isn't that where he suffered his that was, oblique? Yeah. He played the first snap and then left the game yeah. early. 
Yeah. And then, you know, you look at it, it was Matthias Farley was getting quality snaps. Greg Maben, Chris Jones was the other uh, defensive back I was trying to think of. But yep. is Chris Jones, Greg Maben, Janoris Jenkins, Matthias Farley, and Elijah Molden out there. Christian Fulton didn't even play. So, like, to me, that helps everything, right? I mean, like, I just feel, and no Zach Cunningham then, so sure. I just feel at this point the tight while the Kansas City team has played better, they're still the same team you saw. They're not getting anybody back extra for that game because everybody played. Chris Jones played for that for them on that game. You know, everybody played on that game. Whereas now you're getting healthier AJ Brown, healthier Julio, healthier Derrick Henry. You're they're all well rested while this team just got off playing a game. To me, I think I would rather play the Chiefs then play the Bengals because the Bengals, while the Titans can generate pressure going to where we were trying to uh, talking about earlier, he he's only pressured the 16th most on his dropbacks at 33%. That's, that's not as bad as what you really think, right? Mm. You, because you're talking about a team that has the 30th worst pass block win rate, but they're only allowing pressure on 33% of his dropbacks. And then on top of that, his passer rating when he's pressured is 92.4 first in the league. His completion percentage is 60.9 first in the league. He has nine touchdowns when pressured second in the league. His yards per attempt are 8.6 first in the league. And guess what? His yards per attempt when he's kept clean is nine. So that's pretty close. It's like pretty close right there in those yards per attempt. He has the 10th least amount of 10 turnover worthy plays. He has uh, the six most interceptions, so that's good. But he's also got 55 first downs when he's pressured. And that's surprisingly enough tied for fifth. I thought that would be way higher. And he also has a time to throw of 3.32. So, like, he even when he's getting pressured, he still has a pretty generous amount of time to throw, even when pressured. But here's the key. His pressure to sack percentage conversion, so those 33% of pressures that turn mm-hmm. into sacks, 25.9%. And that's third in the league. So a lot of sacks are just happening. And then obviously by the 51 about leading the league. The thing is, is that these wide receivers versus defensive backs matchup scares the ever living crap out of me because they can easily, the way that the Titans play defense the majority of the time, I feel like with their players, their defensive backs a little off of these wide receivers is just asking to get to to get easy yards for this Joe Burrow led team. So I'm almost more so ready for the Kansas City game than the Cincinnati game. It's really it's really interesting. I think the I think that you make a really strong argument. Um I'll I'll play a bit of a devil's advocate here. Um although I do I it's it's really not as much of a devil's advocacy as much as it is um I see this a little differently and here's why. I think we have to change our minds over, set them into playoff mode. And as much as, you know, people might think that the, the difference between playoff football and regular season football is minimal. Um, it's really not right. And an experience is a big thing. Coaching is a big thing. Um, experience is a big one for me. And that's really ultimately the reason I think that the chiefs are a bigger threat by a bit than the Bengals, just because the Bengals are such a young team. 
they have a, a coach and a quarterback who are both first time playoff uh, appearances for both. And I saw a stat earlier this week. I really wish I had saved it somewhere. Um, but the the history on first time coach, first time quarterback um, playoff appearances for teams is not great in terms of how far they go in the playoffs. Experiences is, is a really big deal. And there's no team. Uh, there's no group of players in this AFC playoff picture, uh, you know, besides the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger and and Mike Tomlin that has more playoff experience, especially of late than the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have been here and done that the last two years. And, you know, with great success last three years, really all three coming this close to or getting to the Super Bowl. I think that's a really big deal. And I think um, I think that's the reason ultimately that you would be a little bit more scared of just their ability to be consistent um, and and to turn to turn their team up to the appropriate level for a playoff matchup um, to know what to do. The Bengals, as great as they've been, they have been a bit more up and down this season. There was a period of time where they would win two, lose two, on and off for like two months, um, and and so they they broke that cycle. Um, on uh, the last week of the season, or the last, the second, the last week of the season, knocking off the Chiefs, and and so they're coming in hot. I agree. I would not, you know, I think the most likely scenario is they're coming to Nashville next weekend, and that's not great. I think for the Titans, I think um, you would definitely rather see the Bills, but the way that the cookie crumbles, you won't be able to. I also think that it's interesting that that people, I think it's a bit of a recency bias to think that the Bengals are better suited to beat the chiefs. The thing with the bills, and we were talking about this as a, as a national, you know, media narrative grouping talking about this earlier in the season, when the bills failed to win at home against new England, they really, the discussion was whether or not they had jumped the shark in terms of team building, because this bills team over the last two years, they have very specifically built their team to compete with and to beat the chiefs. They have built their team like they are, you know, of the ascendancy in the AFC. They're going to be consistently for the next couple of years at the top. And they expect Kansas City to be there as well. And that's the monkey on the entire conference's back the last two years. They, the, nobody can shake uh, in terms of knocking them off and another AFC team getting to the Super Bowl. I think that in, in the, the discussion there was, had they jumped the shark a bit because they'd forgotten that they have to win their own division first. Right. And so they, right. their team is actually pretty poorly suited uh, against a team like new England because new England and Kansas city are just so different uh, in terms of, of how you would want to build a team in order to beat them. And so, you know, luckily for the bills, they, they got their act together in the later portion of the season, took the division crown. Um, they have to play the Patriots again, but I think if they can knock them off, I think that they're very, very well suited to go into to go into Arrowhead and to win that game. And that's another aspect of this that I think shouldn't be overlooked. You know, home field advantage in the regular season has diminished year over year um, to the point where depending on where you're playing, um, you know, the 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 common knowledge of home field advantage being three points is is outdated pretty significantly the average in the league is around 2.1 and depending on where you play it's a lot less here in nashville it's more like 1.4 according depending on who you ask Um, a place like kansas city is going to be on the higher end of that arrowhead one of the hardest places to play and i think going into arrowhead in the playoffs 
is is a bigger deal. Um, and I think that another experience thing, the Bills are a team that has a bit of playoff experience. They've they've been in the tournament the last two years. They can go in and probably be better suited to handle that moment than I think the the Bengals necessarily would be, especially a team that is probably going to be riding high after you know beating the Chiefs very recently. A team that that you know they they wouldn't be the favorite in that game, but I think that they would be a very live dog, a very public dog in that game. Um, I I just I see the Bills maybe standing a just a hair better chance in that game against the Chiefs. And the the bonus of that is if you get Chiefs Bills and the Bills win, then you get the Bills instead of you getting Chiefs Bengals and then getting the Bengals in the championship game. And I think we would agree that we'd rather see the Bills in Nashville in a championship game than the Bengals. Yeah. Right. I, I want to see if 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 all the favorites win their game, then then you know the Titans are gonna have a tough road, but is it gonna be to but they still only played one game versus everybody else's two. And I think that what everybody should be rooting for, it's really hard. I think either scenario is favorable whether it's the Raiders or the Patriots, you really want one of those to win. That's just the one. If you I don't down think to you want Titans rooting to interest this weekend. Yeah. One of those wildcard teams got to win, not gotta, but you really, that's yeah. what you're pulling hard for. You either want all three underdogs to win or just one of the underdogs to win. It's all you need. And because it really, if you, if the chiefs get knocked out, I think that's still the best scenario, right? Cause then sure. the Titans play the Steelers and then the Bengals and the bills have to play each other. So it doesn't matter which one, but you only want one. You don't, and you want that one. If you have one to or do, three, two is bad. Two is, yeah, very two bad. is bad. Yeah. Yes. So to me, it's like, you gotta have either all three win or just one of the Patriots and the Raiders. You don't want, to me, you don't want both of those guys to win because then the Chiefs have a really easy opponent, then you have an easy opponent, and then boom, there you go. It's Chiefs, and I think that's a much, it's almost like a second bye week, so maybe that still benefits the Titans a little bit better, but I think that for the hardest scenario for your opponent, you only want one of those teams to win. You don't want the Chiefs to be able to have two walkover games right to the championship game. Yeah, Yeah, I agree, fully agree. All right, so I think we've fully fleshed out what that potential AFC side of the bracket could look like. Let's do a, let's a bit of future tripping, and this may or may not be relevant depending on how the playoffs go. But if the Titans were to finally get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in over two decades, peeking over to the NFC side of the bracket, who are who is or are some teams that you think would be maybe best case, worst case scenario for the Titans in terms of matchup? I think worst case, you don't want to see Green Bay. I mean, honestly, right? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. And then it's on top of that is Matt LaFleur with that extra little chip on his shoulder and all this stuff. And I just don't think you really want to see Green Bay unless, you know, maybe David Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander are not feeling that great. But let's say that every all things equal, I don't think you want to see Green Bay. And I would say the second team you don't want to see is the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't think that you want to see Micah Parsons in the playoffs. I think Mike Vrabel has the, is the better Mike coach. But I think, again, it's more like the Bengals thing. They have a really good offensive line. They have a really good 
opposite of the Bengals, they have a really good offensive line, but they still have three good wide receivers, right? They still have also Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard in the backfield. They still have Micah Parsons, Demarcus yeah. Lawrence, and all, and you know, interception merchant Travon Diggs. I think that it's it's a it's a scary matchup. It's the second scariest NFC matchup, in my opinion. Can the Titans beat the Cowboys? Yes. But I think it's because everybody else doesn't matter, right? I mean, like Cardinals, I don't think are going to even get far. The Rams aren't that scary. You've seen this Tennessee Titans team with limping into their own stadium, beating them. Uh, you saw them with just A.J. Brown beat San Francisco. You know, and I'm saying all things equal. So obviously, Derrick Henry's healthy. Julio Jones stays healthy. AJ Brown stays healthy, right? I'm and surprised you're writing off the Buccaneers. That's my biggest surprise here. I, I got to see the, the Buccaneers the get healthy. Theoriest. See, I think I got to see the Buccaneers get healthy. Like, yeah, sure. it's Tom Brady right in the Super Bowl. It's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's very mortal this year. And Tom Brady, if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not back by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, which a good chance that they could be. But well, right Evans now, is already back. Well, yeah, Evans did come back last game. But I'm not too scared of Evans and nobody else. Like, I think that Dane Crookshank can take out Gronk and, you know, and all this stuff. Like, true. you, you got to have Chris Godwin back if you, if you want to really. And their defense is okay, right? Like, to me, I think it's the prime year to have that kind of um, – to face the Buccaneers if you have a good defense. And I think the Titans do have a good defense. Let me ask you this. Do you agree? I think that it's really in terms of scariest matchups, it's green Bay. And then everybody else is a, a notch and a half or two down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree because, with that because they, the rest of the teams are either dealing with injuries or have a much tougher path because the Cowboys, you know, whether they're second or third scariest potential matchup, they really screwed themselves not winning that Arizona game their path became dramatically yep. harder. They're playing a team this week where I was, I was thinking San Francisco was a, a you know, a very live dog uh, very early in the week when the line first came out. But then every single person on the planet is on the, the Niners this weekend. And um, when there's a, a team that is that big of a public dog, it's just such a stay away, right? It's like, it's too many people think, that this this underdog is is going to pull off the upset. So I'm starting to drift back towards I think the Cowboys might win that game just because I hate when everybody's on the public dog, but they got to play, you know, a, a San Francisco team that most people expect to give them a, a tough time. If they win that game, they'll have to play likely a Buccaneers team. Um, it, wait, are the Cowboys the three or the four? They're the three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they'd have to go play a Buccaneers team in Tampa Bay, which will be, you know, no no small feat to pull that game off. We saw that. That would be another rematch of the very first game of the season. And then they'd have to go to Green Bay, assuming that's where Green Bay ends up, which yeah, that's a really – I think that's among the toughest possible roads to take, whereas if they'd won that Arizona Cardinals game a couple of weeks ago, they'd be probably the two seed and be in a much, much better position. They'd be the one getting to play the Eagles this week who they're familiar with, who they just smacked down, um, who they beat both times this season. They, they faced them. So that's a tough, that's a tough road. Not only I think is green Bay, the toughest matchup on paper, but they would be the team. If the Titans were to see, or whoever the AFC team is uh, in the playoffs, they'll be the team that's probably got the fewest scratches and scars just because their path seems really advantageous. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. To me, you you got to have a Green Bay upset, which they're known for doing, right? They're known, they're a team known for dropping games they shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, can you they imagine? Really, should have lost straight loss in the NFC. Sh- I mean, they should have done it last year, right? I mean, they, they played Rogers this- ticket out of town, yeah, right? So they're a team known for whether that's you know obviously it's not directly attributed because Aaron Rodgers or playoff stats are really really great right, but the problem is that he's he's the one link among these many decade this decade and a half of game, playoff games that he's been to, he's the one constant across this whole thing. And now again, not saying it's his fault, but he carries the weight of being a guy that. His teams that he leads have yet to get it done except for one time. And can you, it's just crazy to me that you're talking about a multi, multiple MVP player that has only got one Super Bowl appearance and one Super Bowl win. And yeah. it he's going to have to, and that to me, a little bit more pressure than Matt Stafford may have, right? Because this could be his last hurrah. Does he want to be known as the guy who yet again pisses away or his team pisses away a chance to go to the Super Bowl? Because they are clearly the cream of the crop in the NFC, And that's right? the big thing, right, is because the, the path could not be more perfectly paved for them. And yeah. if they squander this opportunity, wow. I mean, talking yeah. about, under, like you said, underachieving for years, it's been the Packers not putting enough around Aaron Rodgers to get, to get it done. At what point does that become, hey, Aaron Rodgers is the constant here, like you said. At what point does that become, maybe he just, can't get it done in the playoffs. Maybe he's the yeah. anti-Brady. It used to be that it was the defense's fault, right? And then they built up the defense and everything. And then and then it turned into, okay, well, it's Mike McCarthy. Well, Mike McCarthy's gone. And then it then it turned into, well, he doesn't have enough weapons. I mean, like, I, I know the Titans have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and Derrick Henry, but he doesn't have a, 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 a slouch in weapons. I mean, Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the league, right? Yeah. And and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, doesn't matter who's back there, is going to be able to churn out some yards and get you touchdowns. And yeah. he has a really good offensive line. I get it. They're not sexy names, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Why does Aaron Rodgers need, as MVP, and he's proven in the regular season, that he doesn't need – these names and talent around him, like Ryan Tannehill does, like Tom Brady uh, of of this of late, late uh, it does, and he doesn't. And it's just they should have beat the the Buccaneers last year, and they didn't. And that is the the growing theme of a Packers uh, appearances. They should have beaten the San Francisco 49ers, but they didn't. They should have beat the Seattle Seahawks, but they didn't. You know, it's a growing theme with these Packers teams. And it makes me wonder, you know, when you when you look at the the playoff picture, and they they face they would face the Rams, right? If more than likely, if I'm not mistaken, they would face the Rams. Yes, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, yeah, that's not a win. gimme game, in my opinion. Nope. They could easily choke that game away as a whole. And then, you know, what if they face, even if they face the 40, let's say the 49ers upset them and then they have to face the 49ers. That's a team I wouldn't want to face right now if I'm the Packers either, because I mean, Mike Shanahan or in Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, who know each other better. The guy that probably brought in Matt LaFleur, yep. you know, like to me, yeah, it could be easy, and it does set up well for them. But I also think that the Rams, the Rams have a really good shot at, 
upset. I think almost any of these teams have a good shot at upsetting the Packers based on their performance in the playoffs. At this point, I agree with Mike Vrabel and his assessment. Everybody's zero to zero. No wins, no losses. You've basically reset the whole year. And everybody's had time to prepare. And sure, the Green Bay is going to have extra time to prepare, just like the Titans. But these coaches are – so a lot of these coaches have been here before. And it's it's. I think it's going to be a lot tougher for the, the Packers than what people think. But it's also going to require some people to, you know, step up their game that have let the regular season slide – slid down their rankings a little bit, like Matt Stafford. All right. If you are still with us. Thank you for listening to the longest by far episode of the Titans 10. We're really, is we're it really the Titans pushing 10 the, by six. But it's what it is. It's really <laughs> pushing the boundaries of what the Titans 10 can be. Um, but I think this was uh, a great conversation. If you are still around, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Make sure you go subscribe to the F words uh, podcast, Zach and Lebowski every Tuesday morning. Uh, they do great stuff over there. Make sure you're subscribed to all of our Broadway sports podcasts, the podcast network doing great things these days, the content, especially for these playoffs. Um, we got a lot of exciting things coming. I know that um, home run throwback. We're going to have some special guests on this week. Um, a lot of great stuff, all the Titans content that you're going to want for this playoff run, which should be really exciting. Make sure to watch this weekend uh, root for, like we said, one or three wild card upsets uh, and root for everybody to beat each other up ultimately. Um, so enjoy the weekend. Enjoy watching NFL playoff football. Zach, I'm sure we will talk again soon and uh, have a great rest of your day, man. Hey, you too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. All press conference audio in this episode is courtesy of TennesseeTitans.com. A big thank you to them for making that available. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, follow me at Easton Freeze and the show at the Titans 10 to interact with me and keep up with any of our show updates. And finally, check out me and my very talented colleagues over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all things Tennessee sports. We've got great new content for you seven days a week. Until next time, I'm Easton Freeze. The Titans 10 is a Broadway sports media production.